well, good morning. I don't know if that brought back lots of great memories for you or not, but uh, great to have you here. Um, if you're joining us online, welcome as well. Uh, I'm always excited when we kick off a new uh, series. Uh, I enjoy the process of looking into something new and kind of exploring a new idea about how you and I can ultimately have a better understanding of who Jesus is and then how who Jesus is can actually then pour into and what that can mean in our lives and, and really get an idea of that. And so in this series, what we're going to focus on and look at is, is how can what Jesus did and how he reacted or what he did while he was here on earth, how can that bring purpose and how can that bring direction and balance to our lives and really driving to not just how does it matter on a Sunday morning, but really how does it matter Monday through Saturday? And our jobs and with our kids and, and as we're raising those kids and as we're growing them up and in the relationships that we develop, how does it all matter there? And really considering how can we begin to have an impact on those around us and impact on what God is looking to accomplish through our world. And so we're calling this series Career-Wise. Um, and what I don't want you to do is I don't want, to rule, I don't want you to rule yourself out if you're like, well, I'm a stay-at-home parent. Okay, well, that's your career. And, and if you're retired, that's your career. And, and if you happen to be independently wealthy because daddy left you a whole bunch of money, that's your career. And I would please encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message on giving. If that's, if that's you. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, we have been telling you for a while that Easter is about two months out. And it's coming. It's April 12th. We want you to put it on your calendar because it moves around every year. Um, and, and actually next week we're going to start challenging you to consider the idea of Lent. Um, and there's a couple of reasons why we tell you about it really early and why we want to talk about Lent. Um, and ultimately, it's because we really see that those things can begin to grow each of us spiritually and really begin to deepen anticipation for Easter. Because what's so incredible about Easter and how it's going to tie into this morning is that, that Easter is the day where all hope was restored. That very first Easter was the day where hope was revealed. And as we talk about this idea about career-wise, there are days, sometimes weeks, sometimes meetings, sometimes projects, sometimes deadlines, sometimes decisions, sometimes bosses, sometimes employees that can suck all of the hope out of life. Hope can be pulled right out of us because of our career that we've pursued or that we somehow landed in. And when we lack hope, it can cause us to wonder if we can make it another day. When we lack hope, sometimes we're like, does this even matter? When we lack hope, sometimes it just feels like we're the hamster on the wheel. And we begin to wonder, am I having any sort of impact in this world in the days that I've been given? But when we can begin to have hope, it can begin to change all of, it and all of us and you begin to give us new perspective on everything that we do. And hope is what begins to come to us. And ultimately, hope is what came on that very first Easter morning when, when Jesus was raised from the dead nearly 2,000 years ago. And, and actually, probably waiting till Easter, we probably wait to Easter too often to look at this story. Because it's this story and what happened on that day, that that power that happened that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that you and I can find in our life. And it's that power in our life that can bring, help us find meaning in our work and find meaning 
in our home and find meaning as we go to school or whatever it is that we find ourselves doing. So let's start. I want to go back to that very first Easter morning and begin to set the stage for this idea of hope. This happened nearly 2,000 years ago. The Bible tells us that on one particular morning, some ladies went to the tomb where Jesus had been buried. And keep in mind that for these ladies, they have now lost all hope. There's no hope. They are completely discouraged because Jesus was who they hoped would be the Messiah. They had all their hope that Jesus was going to be their Savior. And then they stood there and they watched as Jesus was brutally executed and, and killed on that cross. And so as they approach this tomb, the ladies, the ladies are filled with all kinds of doubt and fear and confusion, and they have lost all hope. And as they approach this tomb, which was basically a large cave with a large stone rolled in front of it, as they walk up to this tomb, they begin to notice that the stone has been rolled away. And there's a guy standing where Jesus was supposed to be. There's a guy standing there. And they're later going to discover that it's an angel. And that's where we pick up the story. Um, it's in your message notes. It's also going to be on the screen behind me. We find this in Matthew 28. This is how the story goes. It says, Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. Don't you love how every time an angel shows up, they kind of have to lead with that, hey, uh, don't be afraid business? Like, if you're an angel, at some point, does that get old? <laughs> like, either you start to feel like, like sort of an inferiority complex, like, no, nah, that's okay. Or you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't be afraid, I get it. Right, one of those two things. It just every time, like, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Anyway, anyway, so angel shows up, and he's like, listen, Jesus is not dead. You've lost all hope. And now he's standing there, and there's an empty tomb. And the angel is like, listen, he's not even here. And if there's anybody in the world that had a right to be afraid, it's these ladies. And the moment this angel begins to say, no, 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 Jesus has been raised from the dead. Those words, the moment they begin to speak those words, something begins to happen inside of them. Something begins to change within their hearts. These ladies' minds begin to begin to process what's going on and the fact that they're standing in this tomb and, and Jesus is not there. And suddenly what was complete fear begins to be transformed into, into some faith. Some doubt starts to become some hope. And what you and I need to get, what you and I need to allow to soak in as we start this process of looking at careers and looking at what it is that we do, we have to allow this last line to really impact us. This last line where it says, listen, they were still afraid. It didn't say that all fear was gone. It says they were still afraid, but now there was joy. That means the beginning of change has happened. That means if joy is actually going to begin to grow, there has to be some hope. They have to begin to see that there's some chance of something happening. It doesn't mean that everything's all right. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy. 
Hope and joy don't mean that there aren't going to be hard times or there won't be fear in life. But what it does mean is that in the midst of fear, in the midst of doubt, in the midst of questions, you and I can still find hope. And on that very morning, it was the beginning of the greatest hope that there would ever be. The greatest source of all hope. Because ultimately, it's hope that changes everything. That changes everything in the way that you and I move through life. And in that moment, the ladies went from believing that Jesus was dead. They thought he was dead. They thought God was powerless. They thought all of the things that they had been banking on didn't count. And in that moment, hope returned. Hope that Jesus was alive. Hope that God could actually do anything. And what you and I need to begin to see is that through the resurrection of Jesus, through the fact that he was able to overcome death, those moments where we feel hopeless can actually begin to feel hopeful. And that very same power resonates within our lives today, and it resonates within our city today, and it resonates within our church today, and it resonates within the world today. And so this morning, as we start Career Rise, my desire is for each of you to begin finding hope in what it is that you're doing. I know that some of you probably walked in here today, and you're either feeling hopeless, or you're getting close to feeling hopeless. And when we lack hope, it will bring us to our knees, and it will stop us from having any chance of feeling like there's a better reality. Because it's almost impossible to deal with something difficult without hope. And maybe right now, as you're beginning to recognize this, I want you to begin to recognize that that feeling of hopelessness doesn't have to exist. But maybe right now you're feeling hopeless because you're stuck in a dead-end job. Or, or maybe you're feeling hopeless because your marriage just doesn't seem like it could ever get better. Or maybe you're feeling hopeless because will I ever actually find someone to go through life with? Or, or maybe you're hopeless because there's depression that doesn't seem to go away or anxiety that doesn't end. Or, or maybe it's hopeless just because of the, you, like, I found this career, I pursued this career, and am I in the wrong place? Whatever that you're going through, no matter how difficult it is, the resurrection, resurrection of Jesus says, there's hope. Whatever it is that we're facing, even if it's tough, the resurrection says that, that Jesus can give us life, and he came back to life, and that very same power that gave him the access to overcome death and come back to life is the same power available to us. And ultimately, what it tells us is that there's nothing too big for God. That means there's no job that's too unbearable. It means there's no boss that's too unfair. It means there's no assignment that you'll be given that's beyond your ability that God can't help you get through. It means there's nothing too big for God. And through hope, you and I can begin to find reason within our career and reason why we're in that job and reason why God has put us in that place. And through hope, we can overcome something like a company that doesn't treat us well, that doesn't seem to appreciate our efforts. It's through hope that we can begin to say, see that our day filled with chasing a toddler all over the place can actually have meaning. It's through hope that we can begin to pursue what God has called us to do. And if you and I are going to begin to find hope in our career or in our job or if we're a student or if we're a parent, or maybe you're a caregiver to a family member that's going through an illness, whatever it is right now, Whatever it is that you and I do, whatever it is that we would consider to be our career, if we're going to find hope in that, 
there's four choices that we have to make. The first choice that we have to make is this, is that we have to choose to engage in God's plan. It's an option. You and I have a choice. We get to choose to either do it on our own or we get to choose to engage in God's plan. And what we have to know is that God's plan, it's never haphazard. God doesn't dabble in accidents or karma or chance or luck or coincidence. Albert Einstein, the great scientist, once said, God doesn't play dice. And he's not saying that God doesn't have any fun. What he's saying is that God doesn't play anything like, well, what's going to do it for Brent? Oh, he's got to be a preacher, right? Like that's not how it went. It's not how it went down. God's always got a plan. Now, God's got two plans. God's got a macro plan, which means God has a plan for the entire world. But then God also has a micro plan, which means God, God, has, God has a very specific plan for your life. And next week and in the weeks to come, we're really going to dive down deeper into exploring and discovering God's micro plan and how you and I can find what it is that God designed for you for work and for your career. And maybe you're even down the road a ways in your work and your career. Okay, well, what is God's plan for you now as you move through that? And really begin to discover how we can know what God wants for your life and what God wants to see happen through what you're doing. That's one of the reasons why I believe that this series can be so important. And, and really, I think God wants to pull some things out of us to begin to see what we can do in and through our lives. But what's so important for you and I to see today, and what you and I need to begin to recognize, is that God's plan for your life, it doesn't have to be hidden. God's plan for your life isn't some distant thing where God just sort of got the world started and fired it up, and he's like, figure it out. But God ultimately has a plan for you, and he desperately desires to be intimately involved in those aspects of your life. And until you and I begin to truly understand God's specific purpose and God's specific plan for our life, we will never fully sense everything that we are intended to be. Until we truly understand what he's called us to do and how he's called us to do it and what that can look like as a representation of him, we will always feel like something is missing. And the truth is, until you and I fully engage in God's plan and what that can look like in our life, whatever it is that we're doing, there will be something missing. But as soon as we tie into that, even if it's the same thing that we're doing and we begin to do it differently in the fact that we're tying into his plan, suddenly it will begin to take on a whole new meaning. One of Jesus' closest friends, a guy by the name of Peter, wrote about it this way. He said this. Peter said, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Those first couple statements are huge. Those mean when you and I enter into a relationship with Jesus, we become a pretty big deal. Not to like fill your heads or anything, but listen, when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, you've, not, you've been chosen. He's, been, he's like, I want you for my team. We become royal priests, meaning we are representing God to people. Priests have the responsibility of helping people connect with God. That becomes our responsibility. We are now a part of a holy nation, meaning we are not in this alone. Meaning we are all in this together. Anybody want to sing? All in this together. No, that wasn't the point. Um, if you haven't seen High School Musical, go watch it. You're missing 
culture. Come on, Disney. Anyway, here's the beauty. We are not in this alone. He's saying, listen, you belong to God. He is claiming you as his own, which means you and I can engage in God's plan no matter what it is that we are doing, no matter what the career that you're in. Honestly, even if you were in the wrong career and you engage in God's plan, it can become the right career. And if we engage in God's plan, if we begin to recognize that we are on his team, the core of that is recognizing we are his representatives. We become the conduit of which others use to begin to discover God's love for them. And that's how Peter concludes this. He's like, listen, our responsibility is to show God's goodness. We get get to be the example of a life not lived clouded by darkness and confusion and hopelessness. We get to live in the light. So at the office, rather than than getting ahead through manipulation or tearing people down, we choose kindness and honesty and encouragement. And rather than looking to see, how much money can I make? How much money can I make? We begin to say, with this position that I've got, how can I help others in their career? And if we're raising kids in isolation, rather than just staying in isolation, maybe we offer to others, hey, I'll just babysit your kids for free. I'll give you a day to go out and catch a breath, get a chance to just breathe a little. Because in the end, our work becomes a secondary aspect of our work. And moving up in the company and advancing in our career and providing care for a family member that's ill, all of those things are important. All of those things matter. But truly, they take on a greater meaning. They take on a higher sense of purpose when we engage in God's plan. When we begin to see that that's where God has put us, whatever the job is that we have, we have an opportunity to see it as an opportunity to be representing God and what he has done in our lives. And so the first choice, if you and I are going to begin to find hope in what it is that we're doing, it's to engage in God's plan. And then the second choice that follows that up is to encounter God's presence. You and I, we were created to be in God's presence and to be in relationship with Him. And when there is sin in our life, it limits and it prevents that relationship from becoming all that it's intended to be. And sin, it's what separates us from God. And when we're separated from God, that separation is what creates a lack of hope. And sin is ultimately, we describe it oftentimes, as any time that you and I make a decision that breaks relationship with God or breaks relationship with other people. So if we lie, or if we cheat, or if we're mean, or if we gossip, or if any of those things, those ultimately separate us, those create separation between us and God. And so God's plan was to send Jesus in the world to fix that broken relationship so that it could be restored, so that you and I, we could connect with the Creator. And that as we connect with the Creator, then we could feel God's presence in our life. And if you're here this morning, you've never sensed God's presence meaning you've never asked him to forgive you, to take that sin out of your life, it starts by realizing that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he paid the price for that sin in your life, and that if you accept that for yourself, that he died on the cross for you, that that sin will all be forgiven. And as we just read, that three days later, then he came back to life, and that same power that brought Jesus back to life wants to give you life each and every day, and life for all eternity. And when we accept that, that Jesus died for us. Then our sins are removed and he's come back to life and he gives us new life. 
And it's through that that we can know God and encounter his presence. And if you've never done that before, or if that, that's something you want to know more about, on the back of your Connect card, there's a place for you to just mark, I'm interested in knowing more about what it means to know Jesus. I just want to start an email conversation with you, provide you some more answers about what it looks like to be in that relationship with him. But once we're in that relationship with Jesus and we've accepted his forgiveness and we begin to experience the life that he desires for us, how is it that we can go each and every day and encounter his presence on a daily basis? Because what happens is sometimes we get busy with our career and we get busy with our plans and we get busy with our goals and we get busy chasing kids and we get busy getting to the soccer game and we get busy and we get busy and all of a sudden all of these things that we're so busy doing they begin to create distance from God and that wasn't our attention but so many things have taken and we've just sort of drifted away and it's not that we're no longer a follower of Jesus or that we believe in him or that we're not a Christian. It's just the reality that the closeness that we once sense is no longer there because we begin so busy pursuing everything else and not pursuing his presence. And sometimes it can be reduced to almost nothing. An early church leader by the name of Paul described it this way. Paul said, this includes you who are once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. If you walked in here today, and any part of you was thinking, I am a long, long way from God's presence, this verse is for you. There's an incredible dichotomy in these verses. And likely there's a dichotomy in your life in the fact that we were far from God. And by the end of this verse, we are close to God, which means you could have walked in this morning and felt far from God. And by the time you walk out, you can be close with God. And truly it happens when we say yes to Jesus. And the moment that we say yes to Jesus, we get everything that is described and mentioned in this verse. And we get it today. We get to walk out of here today feeling blameless. And when we feel blameless, when we don't feel at fault, now we feel a connection. We feel like we can know God better. And we can walk out of here today knowing that we are without fault, not because we've not done anything wrong, but because Jesus has said, you are no longer with fault. We get to stand without guilt. We get to stand without shame, without regret. And ultimately, the path back to God, it's not some long, drawn-out process. It doesn't require you and I going to confession day after day after day. It doesn't require us memorizing any fancy verses and beating ourselves with uh, nothing. We simply say yes to God. We say yes to who Jesus is. And in that moment, everything is made right and we can step into his presence. And understand that God is never more than one step away. And that step is our step. And that moment that we turn and say, God, I want, he's there. And so the reality is that you and I can be running our entire life, and maybe not running away from God intentionally, just busy running. Running to the next raise, or the next promotion, or the next acknowledgement, or the next achievement, or the next whatever it is. We just haven't been open to God's presence. But the key that the whole time that we're running, God is just trailing us one step behind. 
He's just been pursuing us the whole time. And the moment that we recognize, I am missing his presence, and we turn, it's almost like, well, oh, there's God. He's right, whoa, he's right there. Because the moment we say yes, the moment we say, God, I want to experience your presence, it's back. And based on the decision of that moment, God's presence becomes available to us at all times and all places. And so it becomes really important over the next couple of weeks as we talk about career-wise, and as we talk about your work, and as we talk about career, recognize that when we say yes to Jesus, that means God is with us. He's going to go into every single meeting with us. It means that when we say yes to Jesus, it means he's going to go into every evaluation with us. It means that we say yes to Jesus, he's going to go into every interview. He's going to go into every presentation. He's going to give us wisdom into every decision that we have to make. It means if you're a stay-at-home parent, he's going to be with you in every one of those lonely, thankless hours. It means no matter what you're going through, it means the resurrection of Jesus means that, that God is available to go with you and his presence is available in every single moment. And when you and I want to begin to find hope, in what it is that we're doing and what it is that is our career. It starts by engaging in God's plan and then encountering God's presence. And then the next choice is to begin to experience God's power. If there's one word that I would say adequately describes the number of people that I talk to, if there was one word that kind of describes the lives that we watch and, and we kind of think about our world, there's one word that kind of describes a lot of people. The word would be exhausted. Now, I thought about having everybody raise your hand if you felt exhausted, but that seemed kind of cruel. Are you, are you exhausted? Uh, you, so we'll just assume we are. Tired. Busy. Always moving. Always trying to get to that next thing. Usually late. Usually stressed out and complaining about how bad traffic is in Linwood. It, it's even worse in Seattle. And now we're exhausted and frustrated with how long it's taking the light rail to get here. Because that'll change it all, right? And then we'll get everywhere faster. And we're just exhausted. And we live within these busy lives and we're, lives and we're running fast and we're trying to get all these places and, and we're trying to do all these things. And if we're trying to do all these things and get to all these places and it if we're not tied into a reliable power source, if we're not tied into something that can truly give us power, if we're living in something outside of ourselves, we'll become overwhelmed and we'll become tired and we'll need strength and we'll need a power to help us keep moving when we're exhausted. And sometimes we just need power to get out of bed. Second Corinthians 13.4, the Apostle Paul mentions that we have that opportunity to tie into the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead. When you and I feel overwhelmed, when we feel exhausted, this is what it says we can tie into. It says, although he was crucified in weakness, he now lives by the power of God. We too who are weak, we too are weak, just as Christ was. But when we deal, but when we deal with you, we will be alive with him and will have God's power. There's a really good chance that a bunch of people in this room are feeling overwhelmed this morning, feeling weak, feeling like you've got too much. And as you look ahead at this next week and this next month, as you're sitting there trying to complete your to-do list in between filling out the blanks, you're like, I've got too many. You're not doing that. Sometimes we leave too much space. I'm like, all of this space just leans through. Anyway, um, 
all of the things that you've got going on. And you're like, there's so many things. Paul is talking to you. He's saying we too were weak, but now we're alive in him. And you and I, we have God's power as a promise to us. And if we're a follower of Jesus, when we feel weak, when we feel overwhelmed, we can be strengthened by the exact same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We look to Easter and saying, if I'm lacking power in my life, I'm probably plugged into the wrong source. We're probably looking to pursuing power, pursuing success or salary or whatever it is or achievement or, or even making our own children look good and they, whatever it is. If we're finding ourselves exhausted, there's probably a chance that we're looking at the wrong place. And if we're looking to another person to carry us through that, they're ultimately going to fail just because they're human. But God is the God of unlimited power inexhaustible. Is that a word? Inexhaustible? Inexhaustible. I get worried when I use a big word sometimes. Any, it sounds right. But his power is always there, and he loves you, and he's never going to let you down, and he continues to want to give you strength in any circumstance. So tomorrow, when you go into that really difficult meeting, or you go into that really intense conversation, where you go into those moments where tempers are going to flare, and before you go into that meeting, you just stop and you just pray and you say, God, and maybe this is your first time, and you're like, I don't even know if this will work. God, would you give me your power in this meeting? Not that I'm going to zap anybody, but God, God, would you give me the power, your power, to get through this meeting, your same power that raised Jesus from the dead, would you give me that power to move through this meeting and handle myself in such a way that reflects who you are, that recalls the things that I've thought through, that prepared for this meeting. God, I'm going to lean into your power to stand strong in this conversation. And maybe just pray, God, would you, would you help me not lose my mind as this baby keeps crying? Or God, would you help me give a smile during customer service when that customer is just telling me, you know, how I've messed them up? Like, God, give me the power. God, give me your power that was demonstrated through what Jesus did when he rose from the dead. And that's what gives us hope. Not just on Sunday. It's fun to come to church on Sunday and yay, Jesus gives us all this power. But if it stays here, it does us no good. And that very same power is available to us Monday through Friday and even on Saturday if you have to work on Saturday, whatever it is. It's going to be a huge part of what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. And God wants to reveal and show us what he can do in our lives and how he can direct our path and lead us to where he wants us to go and how he can give us the power each and every day and the work that we have. And, and ultimately, my hope is that, that you will do everything you can to be here each of the rest of this week or the rest of this series to, to hear what it is that God wants to do in your life and through your life and through what it is that you're doing. So my hope is that you'll begin to make a commitment to be here to hear what God has to say as you move through your career. And I know you guys are like, wait, you have one more point. You're right. Last, last point is this. Last point is to embrace God's purpose. Embrace God's purpose. Because believe it or not, God has a specific purpose for your life. He has a very specific purpose for the work that you do. And you and I need to find and embrace and understand the purpose that he has in our life for what he's called us to do. And when we look around, there's so many people that are longing for purpose. 
Everyone wants to know that their life matters. Everybody wants to know that the time that they've given and the things that they're doing and the effort that they're investing, does my life matter and are the things that I'm pursuing, does it really have some sort of impact? Desperate to know that it matters what you do. And so oftentimes we look in the wrong places. Sometimes we just look within ourselves, which is just going to create confusion. And oftentimes we actually look at our career for purpose. And, and oftentimes because we look at our work as what defines us, that creates that self-worth. We have to recognize that what we do and what we are are not, or who we are, they're not the same thing. We have to separate those things. Because what we do and who we are are very different. And when we get those two things mixed up, that's what oftentimes causes fear and stress and worry and exhaustion. So we can't miss this. Even though our work is important, important enough that we're going to spend four weeks looking at what the Bible has to say about it, even though what you do is very critical and it's important and we need to approach it a certain way, it's important to know that our ultimate purpose isn't the work that we do, but what we do through the work that we do. Because there's got to be more than that. And the only way for you and I to discover that purpose for what God has for our life is through what God is calling us to do. And there are times, I don't, know if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever been looking for an answer in the Bible and you're like, God, what is it? What is it? And you search and you search and you search and you're like, oh, there's no answer in the Bible and you search and you search and then every time it's right in front of you and that's what this last verse is. That's great. The last verse says this, God's purpose. Oh, it's so nice when it goes that way. God's purpose. Paul says, God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first ones to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Paul is saying God's purpose for the Jews, being the Jews that discovered Jesus, his purpose was that through their lives and through their decisions, they would bring praise and glory to God. Meaning that they would handle themselves in such a way that people would ultimately go, oh, it's, yeah, they did it because of, that's right. And then the next bit there we talks about the Gentiles is just Paul going on for a long, long way about saying, those of you that are not Jewish who eventually discovered Jesus, same is true for you. That's basically what he's doing. It just takes a long time to get there. But your purpose, if you're here and, and, and you're Jewish or you're a Gentile, if you've discovered who Jesus is, ultimately our purpose in everything that we do is to bring praise and glory to God. So again, tomorrow, when you go into that really tough meeting, or if you have to have a conversation that's really intense, or if there's a really difficult moment, you and I could still come out of every single one of those situations and be able to say, I handled that, I dealt with that, that process that I went through, I can still say that I can praise God. And God can still have glory through how I handled that moment. And so if you're pursuing management or you're trying to prove your position in a company or whatever, you can still do that in a way that ultimately brings praise and glory to God. And I realize oftentimes we listen to athletes and coaches after a game and we're like, ah, that's so cliche. Ah, why is it they have to, in every interview starter, you know, not every one of them, but why does he have to start that interview with, well, you know, first I'd like to give praise and glory to God. And maybe they're insincere. And maybe they make too much money playing a game, whatever. But when you finish a meeting, do you ever walk out of that meeting and think, yeah, 
All praise and glory to God. Do you ever look at your your bank account and when that check hits after a couple of really hard weeks of work and you look at that check and you're like, all praise and glory to God. Maybe you even have a really difficult moment. Maybe in your office, somebody has to get let go and it falls on you that you have to be the one to let them know that they're fired. You and I can handle those difficult moments in such a way that at the end of the moment, we could still say, all praise and glory to God because I handled it in such a way that I still left them feeling dignified and honored and valued. It doesn't matter what your career is. It doesn't matter what you do with your, with your living or what it is that he's called you to do. You and I can turn every single day, we can turn every single thing that we're doing into having a greater purpose. Ultimately realizing that everything that we do, everything that we go about, every goal that we can pursue, ultimately if we end up in those situations looking at how can I bring praise and glory to God, then suddenly our career or whatever that is that we begin to do takes on all new meaning. and We begin to find a whole new hope in what it is that we do. And it happens when you and I begin to see that we can be a part of God's plan and that we can experience his presence and we can experience his power and ultimately we can experience a greater purpose in all that we do. And every week we put these green connect cards in your program. And every week we want to challenge you just to consider and think about what is, is it that you heard this morning? And ultimately, what is it that Jesus is saying to you? How is it that he wants you to respond based on what it is that you've heard this morning? And as you think about this idea of your career and what it is that you do and about ultimately finding hope in that, what's your next step? Maybe your next step is to set aside some time to consider how God's plan has you doing what you do. Maybe your next step is to determine if if what you need right now most is God's presence, his power, or his purpose. And maybe your next step, maybe you just need to start a relationship with Jesus to begin to experience his hope in your life. Maybe your next step is just commit to attending the rest of career-wise. Whatever it is, I would just challenge you this morning to respond to whatever it is that Jesus is saying to you. Let's pray. God, this morning, we all walk into this room having something that we do. Whether we're working at home, raising kids, whether we're taking care of family members, whether we've got a job that we go to every day, whatever it is, God, all of us have that career, that thing that we're doing right now. God, would you help us to recognize that there can be hope in that? And if we're lacking hope, that ultimately, God, we can turn to you, we can find your purpose, we can find your plan, we can lean into your power and your presence. God, help us to be open to whatever it is that you want to say to us this morning. God, help us to respond to whatever it is that you want us to do. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much that you walk us through each and every one of these aspects of life.